Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus. Beyond Damascus is where encounter meets mission. This is the show where we talk about the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that lead them to lives of extraordinary mission. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Catholic Radio, and it's carried across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. We're so excited to be here in studio today. Dan, how you doing? I am living the dream. Amen. Like St. Paul encountered Jesus on his way to Damascus, he was transformed. And we want to see people whose lives have been transformed through encounter with Jesus live it out and actually carry that message into the world. So today we've got a very exciting show. We want to kick off with prayer. Dan, would you would you pray for us? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you for all that you do. We thank you for your goodness, for your uh, for the joy that you've poured out upon us as your people, Lord. I thank you yes, Lord. that, Jesus, you rose victorious from the dead, and you want to rise victorious in our lives. So, Lord, I just pray that you would allow us to move from victimhood to victory today, that you would allow us to share in your resurrection, that we would find your joy, we would, we would find your strength, we would find uh, all of the areas of our life where we carry crosses, mm-hmm. that we would have victory, Lord, mm-hmm. that we would see your name lifted high. Amen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm. Dan, I was having a great conversation with a good friend today, and uh, just on the drive here to the studio, and we were we were discussing how um, there's there's like these two components to life, right? How, how we don't want to be one who has this mindset that we earn our way to heaven by the things that we do, we want to be ones who are who are known in our identity as sons and daughters of God. But at the same time, you can't deny the fact that Jesus speaks so clearly about our our our, our mission being rooted in following the narrow path, right? Yeah. In in maintaining a lifestyle of commitment. And uh it's so good, especially as an organization like ours. Um we work we work at Damascus every day here in central Ohio. We work with young adult missionaries who are who are building lives based on their identity, their gospel identity. They're living supernatural lives. Our, our mission is to to bring revival, right? Our vision is to bring revival to the church in America. And um, so often, I think I think that I don't know. We can we can kind of have this. Um, we can see uh, commitment and following the narrow path, kind of as almost in competition with an idea of ourselves being rooted in identity. And the reality is, of course, they're two sides of the same coin, right? That we need to follow a life where we are committed to living a life of virtue, while at the same time not holding ourselves to the standard where we're thinking that we're we're the ones who are earning our way to salvation. Yeah, it's a very interesting balance, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think it's because the... Um, if you will, it, it, it's what's your starting point. Yeah. So your starting point has to be your identity that you are rooted in Christ Jesus as a son of the Father who loves you no matter what. And when I know that it's not about what I do, but it's about who I am, and when my, I'm rooted in my identity, then all of the the good works flow forth from that, yeah, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that I'm like so rooted that I am a son of God. And because I'm a son of the Father, I'm going to act like my dad. And uh-huh. I want to live like my dad. And I want to speak like my dad and do what my dad does. Um, as opposed to like, oh man, I got to measure up and do this and do that in order to make my dad happy and to make my dad proud of me. Like it's, yep. it's I love my dad and I know my dad loves me. And because of that, I live this way. Not... 
I need to earn my dad's love and respect, and so I act this way. Amen. If you're hearing this show on Catholic Radio today, then then you probably have a have a love or at least a, a good exposure toward apologetics, right? And today's topic might uh, it might ring true to some of those uh, some of those things that you've heard before, and I'm so excited to present it in a different light. So. Uh, our topic today is following the narrow path. Oh wow, it's that a sounds good one. so exciting! And when we when we're living in in a in a revival focused environment, um, you know we're 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 fully living out uh, John Paul II's call to the new evangelization. I, I want us to be ready to to see this in a new light. Here's the deal: I think that 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 for many of us, we would say that we've experienced or encountered God many times, right? But ultimately, um, what, what I've seen in ministry is that there's often a frustration with with actually seeing what lasting change looks like in life, right? That those encounter moments are are amazing and are encouraging, but we see kids who come back to camp year after year after year, who've, who've been committed, who've experienced God in powerful ways, who've had varieties of encounter moments with Him, and at the same time, they go home, and their lifestyle uh, doesn't change, right? Or um, th- there's a there's a certain degree of disappointment when um, when those same struggles tend to present themselves, right? Yeah. So uh, so that's what we're speaking to today. And I- I'm not just going to point the finger at, at students, right? I live this in my daily life every day. You know, I-, I was I was having a conversation with God this morning on the on the drive in that, um, like Lord. Uh, continue to bring me to be closer to you. Those, you know, the the consistent themes of struggle in my life, although they go through different iterations over time. Um, God, I want to be closer to you. God, mm-hmm. I want to be perfect. God, I want to be with you. Why? Because being with you is what I'm made for. Amen. Yes. All right. Good. So here's here here's a fun here's a fun reality. Every day of our life, we make choices. Right. Lots and lots and lots of choices. Dan, do you know how many choices we make every day? I don't know if this was one of those facts that was just made up randomly or if this is actually has any scientific foundation, but I'm just going to say it as if it's true. Oh, All yeah, right? sure. Dan, do you know that every day you make 35,000 choices? What? Every <laughs> where'd you, day. Where'd you discover that? I don't even know. Is that the Oracle Google <laughs> tells you that? Oh, Google, tell me how many choices. So 35,000 choices. So what kind of choices a, am I making? That's a lot of choices. You know, let's, okay, so let's let's look at our given day. Yeah. Um, you wake up in the morning, you, you well, I guess you make the choice whether you're going to wake up in the morning. Yeah, sometimes that <laughs> does not happen uh, as soon as my alarm clock goes off. We have a, we have a, we have a uh, 14-month baby at home, and praise the Lord, uh, this was the week that Felicity moved to a new room. Uh, for the last 14 months, she's been living on in our room. Uh, we have a little, little. We had a little crib set up in the on the floor in the in the corner of our our room. So, um, yeah, my alarm for the last 14 months has gone off at 6:30, and I have subsequently, on most days, ignored it. <laughs> um, and every day, we get the chance, we get the choice uh, to decide: Am I going to silence my alarm? Or am I going to get up and start my day? Right. Mm-hmm. We, we walk into the bathroom. We just, we decide: Am I going to? Uh, am I going to brush my teeth today like a civilized human being, or am I going to take my chances? Right. We look in the closet. We decide what kind of clothes we're going to wear. We decide. Uh, we look at our. We look at our phone. We decide what playlist I'm going to start my day with. We decide what app I'm going to open first today. Is it going to be 
uh, am I going to be reading the news this morning? Am I going to jump on Facebook? Am I going to be scrolling through my Instagram feed? Um, all of these choices determine kind of uh, how we start our day, how we live our life. And ultimately, I, I think something happens in the course of making 35,000 choices in a day that we can become almost desensitized to the reality of making choices. Mm. You know, so many of those choices really are not impactful, but they begin to create a habit of um, taking those choices for granted. And ultimately, uh, we, we then are faced in the course of our day with other choices that actually have like moral influence and impact in our life. You know, we decide what kind of language I'm going to speak with. I decide, you know, am I going to enter into gossip in this situation right now? We, we you know, you're on your computer, on your phone, and you decide, okay, is this website going to be leading me closer to the Lord or away from Him? Um Ultimately, you know, uh, we're presented opportunities for evangelization. We're presented opportunities to live our faith out loud and and to enter into closer relationship with Jesus. But in the course of making 35,000 decisions a day, I think we can come to take these uh, opportunities for granted. Yeah, what's really interesting is just basically your life is choices. <laughs> and every day you're, you're choosing how you're going to live your life. And there's, I've all you know, it's, it's like this really interesting... Um, balance it, that the the Lord wants to guide us and guide our choices and and strengthen us in our everyday lives, but at the same time He wants to empower us to to choose the good and where it's like He's not going to force us to make the right choices, right? And yeah. so so I'm like faced with this daily opportunity uh, to choose the narrow path that leads to life or the or to go along the wide path that leads to destruction. Yeah. And I I just love that uh, scripture account of the narrow path. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because it, it presents two different lifestyles and it's not a matter of like, oh, are my, like, uh, um, it's just like, which lifestyle do I want to live? Like, do I want to live the lifestyle on the wide path that leads to destruction or the narrow path that leads to life? And what always blows my mind is that Jesus says there are, uh, there are few who have found the narrow path. It's not yep. that he says there are few who, um, walk on the narrow path. It's that there are few who have found it. Yep. And, um, so I think the very first point is that before like lord show me the narrow path like open my eyes so that i would know what lifestyle leads to the fullness of life because um if there are only few who have found it then and i and i walk like everyone else i talk like everyone else i live like everyone else and my life just blends in with the world then how how am i sure that i'm on the narrow path (laughs) you know well we're going to be discussing that today we shared a message similar to this with uh with over 3,000 students this summer at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. It was a, it was a, a truly powerful, life-changing message. I can't wait to, to discuss more, um, Dan, with you and, and to share with our listeners today. Once again, you're listening to Beyond Damascus. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back to continue our discussion of living a life of revival in following the narrow path. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI experienced many triumphs and near-superhuman struggles during his papacy. Now, go behind the scenes in Benedict Up Close, the inside story of eight dramatic years, the latest release from EWTN Publishing. You'll learn how Pope Benedict's youth shaped his papacy, the real reason he resigned, and more. 
Benedict Up Close. Available now at EWTNRC.com or call 1-800-854-6316. Have you ever heard of the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas, the Angelicum in Rome? It's the Roman alma mater of none other than John Paul II and the soon-to-be-beatified Venerable Fulton J. Sheen. Our university is not only a place of study, the Angelicum is the only pontifical university in Rome which offers all-day Eucharistic adoration for our 1,000 students, 200 professors, and 63 friars, a practice that has continued uninterrupted since 2002. This is Father Benedict Kroll, the Director of Mission Advancement for the Angelicum in Rome. Learn more at angelicum.it. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, where encounter meets Mission. My name is Aaron Richards. I was so excited at the start of this show that I think I forgot to introduce myself. I'm joined by Dan Demite. Uh, we're really pumped to be here today. Our topic today is uh, living a life of revival in following the narrow path. Our amazing Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI made a statement once that has just shaken my life. He said that we were not made for comfort. We were made for greatness. We're not made for comfort. We're made for greatness. And as we're talking about this, uh, this, this command of Jesus to follow the narrow path, um, I look at this and I, I see that the, the wide path leads to destruction, the narrow path leads to life, right? How would um, one who is made for greatness be led down the path toward destruction by something like comfort, right? We don't think of comfort oftentimes as a potential for destruction, but it would seem that Pope Benedict might be leading us in that direction. You know, I think of uh, there's a there's a hilarious commercial that was on um, television a few weeks ago, a few months ago, where like uh, there's a doctor preparing for surgery and um, he walks into the room pre-op and makes some sort of statement like, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm pretty nervous as well, right?" and uh, and the look on the the look on the patient's face is one of like utter depravity, right? So. Um, we, we, there are certain situations in our life where comfort isn't good enough, right? Where good enough isn't good enough. And I think so often when we, when we become, uh, I don't know, uh, we become disillusioned by the fact that we, we are making so many choices in our day. We, we've, we've, we're, we're, we've fallen into so many habits in our lifestyle that, um, I don't know, we, we end up painting a pretty generous picture of, our behavior um, to the point where I think sometimes we, we are, we're failing to see the, the impact of our choices and what they actually make on our daily Christian walk. So, Dan, why don't you, why don't you push, us, um, push us forward with, with jumping into Scripture right now so we can, um, we can root ourselves here, and then we'll, we'll keep our conversation going. I'm, I'm really excited about where we're headed today. Well, just the Lord, these are his words. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Mm-hmm. So, and Lord, I just I just pray that you would really open our eyes so that we would understand what you mean by this. Like, what is the narrow path? Show us the lifestyle that you want us to live and that you want us to walk down. You yeah. know, Aaron, I just think that there's a... Uh, the Lord wants to present to us a, a way of life that looks different than the rest of the world. Yep. And yep. as you were saying, like, we weren't made for comfort. I think the the average person, the end goal of life is is comfort, right? Like, where I just want to be comfortable mm-hmm. in this conversation, so I'm going to avoid this difficult... Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say what I really should say right now. Or I want to be comfortable uh, in this relationship, so I'm not going to evangelize this person. Or I want to be 
comfortable in my life, so I'm not going to push myself uh, into mission. And the Lord is saying, no, I, everyone is on that wide path that leads to destruction. Like, I want you to find the narrow path that just it leads to life. And and I think as Catholics, we're so blessed because we know that the the way of the cross and this this narrow path, it, it ultimately, it leads to life. It's not a life of death. It leads to a resurrection. And so all of these small uh, deaths to self, these these little uh, these little no's all ultimately lead to this greater yes. You know, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I mean, what's what's ultimately at stake here, right? You know, um, we, I uh, this summer we we did a we did a uh, a really cool like um, activity at camp where where I had the kids we, we would all stand up and we got into group. I, I had the high scores get into groups of six, right, and. So we're in we're in groups of six. We've got we've got two hundred and fifty you know, students out out in the revival tent at Damascus, and um, we're all in groups of six. And then I was like, okay, every group of six, let's pick a leader. So um, on the count of three, I want you to point to your leader, and they all point to their leader, and then we've elected a leader. And then I was like, okay, leaders to the front of the room. Everybody else take a seat. And um, and everyone's cheering for their leaders and they're getting so excited that, oh my gosh, this is great. And then, uh, you know, the, the one out of six walks to the front of the room and I sort of open making this, making this statement. Okay. Cause, cause here's the deal the the, the stakes are high right now. Like, why is this conversation important? This conversation is important because our, our culture is changing, is shifting dramatically. Right. And, um, we 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 quoted one of the kind of the foundational statistics that 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 was an impetus toward developing Damascus in the way that we have, and, and the reality is that um, within ten years of their confirmation. So I, lo- I looked at our high school students and I said, "Hey, do you realize that if statistics are going to be proven accurate, that between six and nine years from now, the ones who are standing at the front of this room are the only ones that are going to be practicing their Catholic faith?" Hmm. And all of a sudden, like the cheering and the applause kind of dies down <laughs> and, uh, and, and you can hear a pin drop in there and it's like, okay, so, so here's the reason that we're, that we're talking about this stuff, because I, I don't believe that people are leaving the Catholic church. I believe that people are leaving the, uh, a, a misinterpretation of what, of what they've come to believe the church to represent. Yeah. Right. That, that we're leaving a, a, we're leaving a lie behind. We're not leaving authentic truth. We're not leaving authentic relationship with Jesus. We're not leaving the fullness of faith behind. That would be ridiculous, yep. right? You can't look in the eyes of God and say no. Um, but, but, but what, what, what people are leaving, what young people are leaving in droves is it's, it's an inaccurate perspective. It's an inaccurate portrayal of what the beauty of the church represents and, and is and offers us. So, I, I, you know, I, I'd invite us to think real quick. Okay, so if if there's if if there's a difference between a narrow path lifestyle and a and a broad path lifestyle, what what would I describe? You know, what would my life look like if it were 100% narrow path versus a broad path life? Right? What would my friendships look like if they were narrow path friendships? What would my uh, what would my speech sound like if it were if it were narrow path speech? What kind of movies or music would I would I watch or listen to if I was committed to a narrow path lifestyle? Um, what what kind of video games would I play <laughs> if if I was committed to a narrow path lifestyle? What would my social media habits be if I was committed to a narrow path lifestyle? What would my uh, relationships be? What would my what would my marriage be like if I was if I was one hundred percent committed to living a narrow path life? How would I spend my money? How would I spend my time? How would I dress, right? 
I think for a lot of us, there's a, there's a, there's a big difference <laughs> when we think of what a narrow path lifestyle would look like, look like, like versus what the lifestyle that we're living looks like. We're, we're seeing a divide there and that's an issue. Yeah. I love, I love that, uh, examination, Aaron, because like, okay, so if there are a few, if, if, if we believe what Jesus says, yeah. do we believe what Jesus says? I think so. Amen. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so if, if Jesus says there are a few who find the narrow path, yep. that means that what everyone else is doing probably isn't the narrow path. And so if my marriage looks like every other marriage in the country, if then, that's the standard that we hold ourselves yeah. to. Yeah. And even like, I, I, you know, when I was really diving into the scripture, uh, I was first introduced, like, this is about uh, five years ago. I remember I was praying to this scripture a lot and I, I started to just look around my neighborhood and I started to say, okay, all of these, because it's not, it would be one thing to say, okay, yeah, my marriage is different because like my, my wife and I were not like headed towards divorce or anything like that. And, <laughs> but like, I, I'm just saying like, even like I look at my neighborhood and my neighborhood has a lot of good like families, right? But are, are they, what does Jesus want for greatness? Amen. Like, what is the greatness? Like, I don't, uh, I love, um, St. Bernard of Clairvaux. He said, there are many men who, there are far more many men who go from, bad to good Mm -hmm. than there are men who go from good to great. (laughs) And it's so like, I don't want to just be that man that goes from bad to good. And I think a lot of times that's what we do. And we're like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not the bad person and my marriage isn't bad. And like uh, my lifestyle isn't bad. My, my, the way I interact with my coworkers isn't bad, but the Lord's like, Hey, I, I didn't ask you just not to be bad. I didn't ask you to be good. He actually says right before this, he says, be perfect as be my heavenly perfect. father is perfect. <laughs> and it's not like this perfection that's impossible to reach because Jesus wouldn't ask, command us to do something that's impossible. Yeah. It's be perfect. Like I am perfect. Yep. Like my father is perfect because you allow me to transform you. And that's yep. the essence of holiness is that Jesus says the narrow path is when you have allowed me to transform you so that your lifestyle is my lifestyle in the world. And so when I examine myself around my neighborhood, it's not, am I better than the bad or am I good? It's, is, am I living like Jesus's lifestyle as a married person in a suburban neighborhood? Mm -hmm. What does Jesus's lifestyle look like in modern day, in the modern day world, in my workplace and in my neighborhood? Okay. So let's, let's go there, right? What does Jesus's everyday lifestyle look like in my life? Okay. So, um, here's the question we've got, we've got, so we're not leaving the church. We're leaving some false interpretation of what the church represents. What if the Christianity you're living is not actually the full potential of what God had in mind for you? Yeah. Right? So um, let's, let's ask, what, what, is, what is the standard that Jesus sets? Because if, if we're going to hold ourselves um, to, to uh, an expectation of growth, an expectation of perfection, a hope of influence and impact, then we better be measuring ourselves by the standard. Okay, well, uh, let's start with Mark 16, right? We're going we're gonna to ask ourselves, what's the standard that I'm holding myself to? What's the standard for my Christian community? Um, Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, he says, uh, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. We're excited about that. Um, that's the that's the uh, great commission in a nutshell. But the stakes are high here. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Nobody wants that. Who believes in Jesus? Okay, I do. Who says that Jesus is their Lord? I hope that we do, listeners. And um, Jesus very specifically outlines what signs should accompany those who believe, right? Who believes? 
I hope that those listening to this show today believe, <laughs> believe in Jesus. Here's the signs that should accompany those who believe. Here's the standard that should mark our life. In my name, Jesus says, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it won't hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. They will get well. Okay, so I ask listeners, is this the mark of our Christian community? This is the expectation that Jesus sets for those who believe. Okay, um, maybe not all of us, right? Maybe this isn't what we're seeing on a daily basis. Certainly, Jesus is simply speaking in hyperbole here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think so, friends. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not speaking in hyperbole here. Um, you know, but I think that that, that we, we automatically like disqualify ourselves that I can't live a lifestyle like that. So I'm just going to default to, okay, Jesus must have just been talking about like moral life, right? He must have just been talking about moral teaching, so we kind of we kind of set ourselves down to the to the next least common denominator where okay Christian life must just be about being a good person okay well I ask you Christians okay I ask you listeners today are we actually living out Jesus's call to a moral lifestyle right um, in the Sermon on the Mount uh, Jesus sets the expectation for us for what Christian life should look like so. Let's let, let's pretend for a moment that we are like a, we're, we're a visitor from outer space. All right, we've never had any interaction with human culture. We've never had any interaction with human community, and we we come to Earth. Humanity's been frozen over by an ice age for a billion years, naturally. And I find a a, a single fragment of writing that I'm going to use to judge to base my perspective of what Christianity or what what, what human community must have been like. Okay, here it is. You are the light of the world, a city set on a mountain that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. No, it's set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. What kind of a community would that describe, right? If you were trying to paint a picture of human civilization, what would it look like based on that description? Mm-hmm. I bet it'd be pretty awesome, right? <laughs> I bet that people wouldn't be afraid to to share good news. I bet that people would be excited to actually, once again, through their good deeds, glorify lead, lead others to glorify their heavenly their heavenly Father. Okay, let's let's keep going. You've heard it said to your ancestors, "You shall not kill." Whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna, right? What, what would that society look like? It wouldn't look like a place where people, you know, trash talk each other. It wouldn't look like a place where people gossip. This would be a place where people held honor and dignity in highest esteem. Amen? Absolutely. I just love these verses. As you go through the Sermon on the Mount, it's just like Jesus is is change like transforming our our mindset yes. of like you yes. you've heard this or you've seen this or this has been the lifestyle that people have presented to you. But I say to you, and and that is exactly where we're at right now. Like you've heard it said that you should like uh, keep up with the Jones, right? You have heard it said that you you need this size of a house. You've heard it said that you need this kind of a lifestyle that you've you've and and we we get all this pressure that we need to do this mm-hmm. and do that uh to keep up and um 
but are we are we quieting ourselves and just listening to him like yeah but have you heard what he has told you amen and and like you know i it's so easy too with kids like you've heard it said your kids need to play five sports at the same time and uh-huh. and, and and you've heard it said that they all have to have like straight a's and and be in and but what does Jesus say? Like yeah. how? Like step but back said and, to you. and Jesus, tell me what it like. What is your desire for my children, and how do you want me to lead them as their parent? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is good. The Sermon on the Mount shouldn't be. Uh, it shouldn't be. I don't know. I, I think sometimes we look at when Jesus sets expectations for us, and when we say, "Well, gosh, I, I'm I'm not meeting that standard." It shouldn't be for us a word of condemnation. Yeah. Right. Well, I I can't live. I can't live up to the expectation of Mark sixteen. Right. I can't live a life where I'm casting out demons. I can't live a life where I'm laying hands on the sick and they're being healed. That that that's for somebody else. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cut my losses there. Well, and we make the narrow path all about actions. And but like as you read the sermon, Jesus yes. is, he loves us so much. Like he's saying, "Listen, I'm teaching you, and I'm I'm your teacher." He's he's this. It's the Sermon on the Mount where the rabbi is teaching his children. Mm-hmm. He's saying, "Listen, I'm I'm your shepherd, and I'm going to lead you." And so as you go through this. Uh, this life and there's this wide path that leads to destruction. I'm guiding you and I'm teaching you. Yep. And it's like, there's so much love. And so often I think the reason so many of our young people leave is because they see the church as nothing more than a set of rules that I have to follow as opposed to the shepherd guiding me and teaching Amen. me how to live the full and abundant life that leads <laughs> to joy. Yes. Okay. Everybody deep breath. <laughs> This is the good news, right? This is the good news. that when, when Jesus sets an expectation for us, when Jesus sets a command even for us, when Jesus, when Jesus gives us uh, um, a commissioning, when, when, when Jesus gives us this, this outline for good, radical Christian life, right? We shouldn't be discouraged. We should be encouraged. This is not a word of condemnation. It's a word of invitation. That Jesus Jesus doesn't doesn't say these things so that we hold ourselves to a standard that's impossible. It is impossible, but it's possible in Him, right? He's turning the He's turning the game upside down. He's turning it on its head. That that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The world says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If you want to experience authentic joy, it's time to enter into a relationship where your 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 happiness isn't determined by other other people's behaviors, right? Where 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 we can come into a reality where. We are going to enter through the narrow gate, but it's but it's for it's for a very specific reason, right? I know in my own life, like this this wasn't always the case for me, right? Um, and and when I when I look at and it's I mean it's still not one hundred percent the case for me, but but I, I look back to like high school and college, and um, as I was wrestling through like establishing moral foundation for my life. I remember, I remember I would, I would like, I would, I would have, and I hope this might speak to some of our listeners today. I would have conversations in in my head with the Lord um, or, or with my own, you know, my own conscience of, okay, this choice that I, that I am considering this relationship that I'm entering into this conversation I'm going to have, like um, I've got a couple, a couple factors that I want to consider here. Number one, is it going to hurt anybody? Number two, if it hurts somebody, how hard am I going to have to work to fix it? Number three, like, is this going to hurt my quality of life and enjoyment? And finally, number four, if I screw up real bad, how's the, how's the soonest I can get to confession before I set myself straight again? And it's like we hold ourselves to this standard, and I know I did, where um, the choices that I make, are, are I'm setting the bar so low that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like 
my my happiness is is based on this this performance mentality that I've got to meet the minimum. And the reality is that that God has transformed my life. God, uh, Dan, I know that God's transformed your life. God's God's transformed my marriage. God's transformed my family. God's transformed the community at Damascus through entering into a perspective that that maybe God's not just calling us to the minimum. Maybe God's actually calling us into something spectacular. The it's where's your measuring stick, right? Yeah. Like uh, it, he, so often we measure ourselves against our co- our coworkers, and we're like, yeah. well. I'm better than them, so I'm in a good spot, right? I'm doing better than them, or or our family members. Well, I'm I'm pursuing the Lord more than they are, so I must be in a good. But then when when Jesus he says our measuring stick is the Father, <laughs> be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. When that becomes your measuring stick, you're like, oh my goodness, like Dad, I just want to I I want to I want to reach the heights that you are. It's not that yep. I want to measure up. I already measure up. The Lord already the Father loves me so much. He's so proud of me. He's so proud of you. You already measure up. You're good enough for him, but I want to reach your heights. I want to get up there where you are because where you are, you see the world so much better than where Amen. I am. And I want to be up there. And if if I'm just measuring myself by those who are down here, then I'm not I'm not seeing the world from heaven's perspective and I'm not uh, receiving my inheritance as mm-hmm. a child of God, like the Lord's like, I've got this inheritance for you so that you can uh, share in the kingdom and experience the kingdom here and now. But you've been so distracted by the the, the measuring yourself by the people of this world, yeah. as opposed to going on my heights. And I think what I'm hearing you say, Aaron, which is really neat, it's that you're presenting a lifestyle where um, there it's not. You you can be a Christian and you can you can go and live a a nice life yep. and a joyful life and you can be kind to others and good right but that's not the fullness of Christianity mm. like I you Jesus did not become incarnate and suffer and die on the cross and resurrect from the dead and give us the the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we could go to work every day and be nice to people yep. like that wasn't the gospel the gospel was that I, I have commissioned you to do the works that I do and greater works than these to be a light in the world he says you are the light of the world like if I'm afraid to be the light in my in my office how how the heck am I going to measure up to be the light of the world like God yeah. Jesus says I love you so much and I see so much potential potential in you, that you're not just the light in your office. You're not just the light in your family. You're not just the light in your city. You are the light of the world. Mm -hmm. And your lifestyle has the power and the ability to witness to the nations. And like, if that doesn't make you feel loved by God, I don't know what would. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and, loved by God, yes. Empowered, yes. Um, emboldened, yes. It's also enjoyable, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really like it's not a burden to walk the narrow path. Yeah, it's not just about what others think. It's not just about. I mean, it is about what God. It's not just about what God thinks. It's a this walking the narrow path will actually bring bring joy to your life, right? I love the fact that that when I pray, I can I can hear the voice of God, right? It's it's not a, it's not a it's not a question of am I going to have access to my Father today, right? I love the fact that I love the fact that when 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 I speak when when we speak it, you know, in 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 prayer uh, at, at Damascus, that that when other people hear the words that we're saying, and listeners, I hope this is happening for you. That when you hear the words that are spoken on this show, that you hear the voice of Jesus, right? That that <laughs> I love the fact that when we pray, we can see people's bodies and hearts healed, right? Uh, that 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 I love the fact that that God is making my heart 
to, to look more like his, that when I, when I think that I have access to heaven's strategies, and it's not something that happens by just doing things better, right? It's not something that you can just try harder at. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that when you're closer in relationship with Jesus, when you spend time with Jesus, that you begin to look like Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, my heart is burning right now just for more, more of God and more of him to, to use us and to use us people. Like, yeah. uh, that, like you said, like our heart becomes his when we spend time yep. with him. And yep. as you, as like, I, we're not giving you practicals today. Like, it's not like we're going to tell you, this is what you have to do when you uh, hang out with your family. This is what your marriage should look like. This is what it should look like to be, uh, in the work world. It, we're just, I, I want you to know that Jesus has those answers for you, and mm-hmm. it's in his heart that you discover them. It's <laughs> that you have heard them say, you've heard the world say this, but I say to you, are you listening to him, and are you wrestling with him, and are you asking him, like, what do you say? Like, how do you want my marriage to look different than the rest of the world's marriage, like marriages? How do you want my life in the in the secular world's workplace to look? Like, how, like... Just just wrestle with him and let him answer these questions for you to set you on the narrow path. It's not about rules, which we often put. It's about relationship. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. we understand that the narrow path is not a state where I'm either on it or off it, it's a state of intimacy where I'm either in his heart or I'm not, and I'm doing it on my own. And I would rather do it in his heart. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, we're going to take a short break, and um, we will be back to kind of conclude this segment and really to focus on uh, what does, uh, why is it, what makes it worth it to live that life on the narrow path. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel, Catholic Radio, and EW10 Radio. We'll see you soon. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. Don't you feel sometimes like there's so many people in the world, how does he hear your prayer? Never think of that, huh? Everybody thinks of that. I'm only a little grain of sand on the seashore. Oh, but that's not true. See, God is God. And you and I have to let God be God. I don't know how he does it. He's God. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. EWTN, Teaching the Truth. I have wanted to thank you so very much. Thank God. Thank God you guys are here for us. Believe it. I just can't believe all that you've done and how you've stuck with it. Many times when I think I can't do something, I think about some of the things that you've talked about. EWTN, Live Truth, Live Catholic. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, where encounter meets mission, and uh, Aaron Richards here once again, joined with Dan Demite. Um, we have, this has been so fun, okay? We're looking at what a revival lifestyle looks like lived on the narrow path. And um, once again, just to jump right back in, uh, you know, why give it up? Why give up all the things? Why make the sacrifice that you're going to have to make to live the lifestyle of Jesus? I mean, ultimately, once again, um, Pope Benedict uh, uh, shared with us so beautifully that we were not made for comfort, we're made for greatness, yet we live in the most comfortable society that the world's ever seen, right? We live in the most comfort-seeking society that the world's ever had, that, that, that there's more convenience today 
Our internet is faster today, right? Every bit of the world's information is available at the tip of our fingertips. Um, and our, our, our comfort is not necessarily leading to our fulfillment, right? Um, so, uh, Jesus presents a choice and, and listeners, we asked earlier in the show, you know, what would my life look like if I were living a hundred percent narrow path lifestyle? What would my choices look like? What would my relationships look like? How would I spend my time? How would I spend my money? How would I dress? How would I behave? How would I speak? What music would I listen to? What movies would I watch? What books would I read? What articles would I obsess over? Right. Um, what would my social media habits be? And, and the truth is Jesus is asking us to make a change, right? Jesus is asking us to live a lifestyle that's different from the lifestyle of the world. Jesus is asking us to make choices. He's asking us to make sacrifices. And, and um, you know, I, I think so often in our lives, we, we come into this, this belief and this understanding that, that if I give something up to Jesus, if I give something up for my Christian faith, that I'm going to be left with less. And, I remember even as I was, uh, I was in, you know, trying to navigate my way through college and I was deciding what kind of lifestyle I was going to pursue. I knew that God was calling me to a lifestyle of ministry, but I wasn't yet ready to like cut my safety nets free. And I remember hearing a, a, a direction and formation that like, if I'm going to actually live my life for the Lord, that I need to make sure that, that I'm, I'm not looking back. That that I'm I'm not establishing a, a safety net that I can fall into when the gospel fails, right? Um, that 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 that's not that's not trust. That's not authenticity. And and the reality is, God is calling us to to make decisions. He's calling us to make sacrifices. And there is honestly, God's calling us to give up sacrifice. Um, he's calling us to give up uh, some degree of pleasure that we that we want to enjoy in our life. He's calling us to give up control, right? He's calling us not to take the easy way, but to place ourselves firmly in the narrow path. And, and there is only one reason why it makes sense that Jesus would call us to do this and why we'd say yes. It's not because we're going to earn our way to heaven. It's not because we're going to live longer and uh, maybe some choices we make will actually make us live longer, right? Um, but the, the only reason why making narrow path choices, living a narrow path lifestyle is worth it is because Jesus himself is on the narrow path. That's where we find him. And because he's worth it. You know, how many people want to see your lives transformed? How many people want to see yourself with, with, with purity and purpose in your lifestyle? If you want to start looking more like Jesus, I've got the solution for you. Start hanging out with him, right? And see what happens. And if we orient ourselves right in the midst of the narrow path, that's where we'll find him. I love that. I want to give two examples. So yesterday I was talking to this 88 year old man and um he he was like you know dan in my my life i have overcome so many vices and i've worked so hard in the last 50 years to become who god wants me to be and he started to name some of the vices that he overcame and like some of these were like major victories um i can't wait until i have 50 years (laughs) to to say you've been following the lord for 50 (laughs) years but then i loved it because he was like but there's one thing i always like i've always struggled with there's that that one thing i couldn't let go and it's just i love comfort and i love my money and i just want to spend it on myself and he pointed over his wife he's like i'm lucky i have her because every minute of my day she's giving it away (laughs) Mm. and it's just uh it just says like the 
uh, it was neat because even he he was able to look at his life and all of the victories the Lord had had, and yet he could see that there was still more victory, even at 88, that the Lord had for him. That's that, awesome. That the Lord still wanted him to give more and to have a heart of generosity that wasn't afraid to give. And, um, and I just think that's a beautiful example of a man who has seen the narrow path and he sees God is like calling him and... Um, and and he he was even sharing just some like he he has this uh, idea to share um, some of like some of his great treasure f- with another ministry and just like as he's uh, sharing the the process of his own discernment to like let go and to let God uh, do something transformational with his with his finances and I just think that's so it was inspiring for me but then another really powerful example of the narrow path like I just want we've been reading from Matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 today and the Sermon on the Mount and I don't know if you um, have ever seen the movie on uh, on the life of Saint Francis from Ignatius Press? But if you haven't, go go get it uh, and watch it. It's a really neat movie. But mm-hmm. uh, Saint Francis of Assisi, before he was Saint Francis of Assisi, he was uh, he was in the military and was uh, and it was arrested for something like I, I think like just like it, he was like arrested by the enemy and um, and he found himself in this dungeon and the only thing he had access to in this dungeon was an older man had a copy of the Gospel of Matthew and he hmm. uh, the 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 elderly man lets Francis start reading this and it was like what you were talking about earlier if like this alien uh, like life form came down and found a text and started to read it to define humanity what you saw in this movie was Francis as he's reading this gospel especially the sermon on the mount his his life is redefined wow. where for at one point he was he saw what the world was offering and he was living for the world and he he grew up in a family that lived for the world and then all of a sudden he is is in the solitude by himself with nothing except for the gospel of Matthew and as he reads it life itself and and his identity and his framework for what it means to be a human person in this world is redefined it's no longer defined by the world it's it's defined by the gospel yep. and i i would wonder listeners what would happen if we did that like if we if we cut the world out for the next 30 days and we we spent the next 30 days just diving into the gospel of Matthew, mm. assuming that the world had it completely wrong. Let's just assume that the world has it wrong. And I'm going to go to the source uh, of, of life, the word of God to discover what life is all mm-hmm. about. And when I do that, what is the fruit of that going to bear? Right? Because the fruit of Francis's life was he left and he, and he became St. Francis and he did everything that we know that he did. Like he redefined what it means to be a Christian That's at awesome. that moment. He redefined it. Uh, I guess not redefined it. He, he, <laughs> he restored it, right? Because he simply wanted to live Jesus's lifestyle. Yes. And the reason Francis chose poverty wasn't because he saw the things in this world as evil. It's because in his heart, he was convicted that he wanted his lifestyle to look like Jesus's lifestyle. And Jesus was a poor beggar. And so he said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to renounce the world and live like Jesus lived. Mm. And I want Jesus to convict your hearts like that. I want him to convict my heart more and more like that, where he would teach me what it looks like for me to live his lifestyle here and now. And when we do that, we 
We don't get nice people who go around the world and say, God bless you when they leave the grocery store. We get saints. We get martyrs. We get, we get a, a, a transformed world and a, 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 we get the light of the world again, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's what the Lord wants from his people. He wants to redefine what it means to be a human person for you so that you would understand from his perspective, not the world's perspective, what your life is meant for. <laughs> Oh, this is encouraging. This is uh this is convicting. <laughs> I love I love when I come to uh I love when I come to St. Gabriel Radio and when we when we lead a show like this and um as I'm preaching, I'm like, Oh my gosh, Aaron, you need to hear this. Mm-hmm. Like you better tune in on Saturday morning and I'm listen gonna, to this I'm, show. <laughs> I'm thinking, where can I find a dungeon to lock myself in for thirty days? Yeah. No, this, the the a silent retreat may be a good thing for us, right? No, this is this is good. Um this is good. Once again, that, that question that we asked at the beginning of the show. What if what if the Christian life that I'm living is different from what Jesus actually had in mind for me, yeah. right? And I think we need to be open to that possibility. Yeah, we need to be open to that possibility. You know, um, one of the one of the most amazing fruits that that came from um, sharing a message similar to this this summer with with our high school students at at Catholic U summer camp was that um, as as this message was was shared. Uh, I, I simply asked kind of the, the question and follow-up. And, and I, I wonder if, as we've been speaking today, if, if maybe God's been moving similarly on your heart. So I, I feel kind of motivated in prayer to, um, to invite you in the same way, that for many of us as Christians, and I know I, I can speak from personal experience for me as a, as a, as a Catholic who, who, um, who I, I never, you know, I was raised in the faith. I had an awesome awesome Christian, uh, Catholic family growing up. Like I, I, we were, we were in love with, with the Lord. We were the star altar servers at church, right? Um, we were the ones that, that father called when, when nobody showed up for a funeral that day. Uh, um, my, my parents were, were so committed to prayer and leading us in, um, in, in that life. But the reality was something, you know, something changed in me when I came to know the Lord personally and powerfully in relationship with him, that, that, that I, I can, I can pinpoint, you know, times in my, in my life, times in my adulthood in in high school and in college, um, and even, you know, even into adulthood that, that like were conversion moments where my heart was returned to him. So I, I just poised the question to our, uh, to our, our, our high school students, like, how many of you, and I would ask the question to you listeners as well, how many of you in hearing this message today are hearing a message of Jesus that's different from what you've heard before, right? How, how many of you are, are your hearts burning right now in, in asking the, the question, man, have I been living my life based on an understanding that I could earn my way to heaven, Right. Have I been living my life at the least common denominator? And if, if that's the case, man, this isn't a word of conviction or uh, of condemnation. This is an invitation to you. And um, I, I want to invite you into the same prayer that we invited our, our students into this summer. So uh, if... Yeah, just before that, Aaron, I just, I, I love calling Jesus Lord. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I think sometimes we think if we make Jesus the Lord of our life, that means that he's our first priority amongst all of our priorities. But when real, realistically the phrase means that Jesus is Lord, it means he lords over every priority, that he is 
he is over all and that he would be the Lord of my finances. He would mm. be the Lord of my relationships. He'd be the Lord of my career. He'd be the Lord of my, my marriage. He'd be the Lord of my family. Like he's the Lord of everything. And he is over all of that. And I give it completely and solely to him. It's completely surrendered to him so that it's for his benefit. So that my career is now for him, not for me. That yeah. my, my marriage is now for him, not me. My, my, my family, my relationships, everything that I do, my finances, they're no longer longer for me, but for him. And they're all directed towards his glory and his kingdom. And, um, and as you invite people to make Jesus the Lord of their life, like that's what we're saying, like that I want all that I have to be directed for you and for your glory. Yep. So if, if that's you today, uh, listeners, if, 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 if that's you today, if maybe, you know, I see you maybe falling into one of two camps, right? Maybe, it's possible for you that you you've you've tuned in by accident and you've never actually you've never believed that message of of Jesus being the one who invites us into fullness of life or maybe you've been living this life for a long time you you're like one of those students that i mentioned at the start of the show who's who's had many encounters with Jesus but it just hasn't stuck yet and um whether whether you're coming here for the first time or whether you've been living this catholic faith for a long time and, and want to be refocused on the Lord, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Um, and, and, you know, why don't you repeat after me, whether it's in the silence of your heart, or whether you're alone in your car and you can say it out loud, but it's a powerful prayer, and it's an invitation for, for Jesus to come and, to, and to, to be the one, to be the Lord, as, as Dan was just saying. So, Jesus... I want you to be the Lord of my life Jesus. for the rest of my life. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. I want to walk the narrow path with you. I want to walk the narrow path with you. I want to hang out with you more. I want to hang out with you more. And just see what happens to my life. And see what happens to my life. God, I give you control over everything. God, I give you control over everything. I want to see your influence everywhere. I want to see your influence everywhere. Make me more like you. Make me more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Our theme this summer was Venite Me. Uh, Venite Me means come and follow me. I think a lot of times as, as Catholics, we're, we're really good at the Venite part, but we're <laughs> not really good at the May part. Mm-hmm. And we got to realize that, that a, a life of, of true and authentic discipleship, a life lived for Jesus is not just a life lived for Christian morality. It's not just a life lived for good choices. It's a life lived for Jesus, right? For Jesus. Amen. And, uh, and my, you know, my prayer for you today, listeners, um, is, is, that, is that this show has brought a, a, an invitation to a conversion of heart, that you could look back on this day and say, something happened on my drive to work today. Something happened as I listened to that show today that, that, that I made a commitment that changed the direction of my life. Yeah. And if this, uh, if this episode has really impacted your heart, I want you to share it with others too, right? Like if, if the Lord is convicting you, um, to a greater increase, like don't go home and not share it with your spouse, like allow you to experience this together or just press, press on and because God wants a community for you. He doesn't want Mm -hmm. you to be isolated by yourself. Amen. Thanks today for listening to, uh, Beyond Damascus. Beyond Damascus, once again, is a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the global EWTN 
Radio Network. We're also available on uh, podcasts, so you can check us out on iTunes or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. Just search Beyond Damascus. You can you can listen to this show and any of the shows that are that are in our archive. Have an amazing day. God bless you. We're praying for you.